Thanks for listening to Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. If you're getting ready to transition out of the military, this episode is a must listen. You may be aware that veterans leave their jobs within the first year at a higher rate than nearly every other demographic. There are many contributing factors at play, and today's guest is sharing his research-backed insight with us. Cody Brock, a Marine Corps officer, joins the show to discuss the five things to keep in mind when you begin your new civilian job. Cody completed his doctorate last year with a focus on business and human resources. For his dissertation topic, he spoke with a group of veterans about their military to civilian career journey in order to uncover some of the factors that contribute to higher turnover within the veteran community. Cody shares his research, personal experiences, and conversations with veterans from all ranks and branches of service to provide us with some key takeaways that would be helpful for all transitioning service members. If you have any feedback about today's show, I'd love to hear from you. I'm always looking for new topics to share on the podcast, so if there's anything we haven't covered that you'd like to learn more about, please email me at podcast at oriontalent.com. Hi, Cody. Thanks for joining me today. Oh, it's good to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm glad to have you. You're one of our first guests of the year, and um, nobody who's listening to this will know, but you're actually my first guest that I've recorded with on video, so new for 2021. Absolutely. (laughs) So you reached out to us to potentially contribute to a blog post or podcast with a really interesting topic. I'm excited to talk more about it, but before we jump into that, can you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. So just briefly, um, I first enlisted in the Marine Corps in 2006, uh, and I spent some time within the legal community, was overseas in Japan, did some time at the Pentagon, did a deployment to Afghanistan, and first started to really get the um, the itch for education. Took one class here, two classes there. Eventually, I finished my undergrad degree online, uh, applied for commissioning, and the Marine Corps said, you know, sure, free officer. Sounds good to us. Went to boot camp a second time, uh, became a supply logistics officer, ended up earning my MBA while on active duty to try and become a better logistician, a couple more deployments to the Middle East. And then in my current role with the NROTC, um, I finished my doctorate. And so I've got just under 15 years of active duty now, but the dissertation topic for my doctorate degree was on the skills of veterans and how they may or may not transition or translate to the private sector. So that's why I was happy to try and share this with, you know, uh, an organization like Orion who really helps junior officers in that transition. And it's a great topic because it's something that I know a lot of transitioning service members are kind of struggling with and questioning themselves. And then on the flip side, employers are, you know, wondering, hey, we want to hire veterans, but we're not exactly sure how their skills translate. And so I think it's a good topic all around and it's good for people who are listening because most of our listeners are going to be veterans, um, not necessarily employers. And so they can help educate their civilian counterparts when it comes to be that time uh, just by listening to this you know, podcast and also doing their own research on this topic. I hope so. Okay, so yeah, you mentioned your dissertation topic and Cody, forgive me if I'm backtracking here. Did you mention where you went to school? Uh, No, so I did my undergrad at University of Maryland's Global Campus. I did my MBA at Bushnell University out of Eugene, Oregon, and my Doctor of Business degree at uh, North Central University. So all three of those had great online degree options. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so you did reference your dissertation topic. So I want to talk a little bit more about that. So why did you choose that topic? Was it um, things that you had seen on your own, things that you had talked about with, you know, fellow service members, combination? It was a bit of a combination. So I was really at a fork in the road with my in my coursework. If I wanted to go a traditional PhD, which is more theoretical teaching in the classroom, or an applied doctorate, where I could really roll up my sleeves. Um, and when I started doing my coursework, I started finding these gaps in the existing information out there and seeing that veterans had among the highest turnover rates than any other demographic, meaning within the first 12 months, they leave that first job. I started to wonder, well, I wonder why that is. And myself, I'm going to be transitioning off of active duty this summer. Uh, so a little bit of a selfish part in there as well. If, you know, can I help other people? I'm going to be on that side of the table as well. So that's what got me interested. Mm -hmm. And that's a really good point because a lot of employers currently are interested in retention. I mean, it, it costs so much to replace an employee when they leave. And so uh, we have employers that ask us that about veterans. Why is it that they have um, typically a shorter tenure, especially in their first job off of active duty, like you mentioned, within the first year? And so that's something that we're asked about, too. And, you know, a lot of times it's because it's not a good fit. And so um, I know that you talk a little bit about some things to expect, you know, level set expectations, because sometimes it's truly not a good fit. Maybe you didn't know exactly what you wanted to do. Uh, you start your job and you realize you definitely don't want to do that. And that's certainly one thing. But sometimes it's things that, you know, maybe you just didn't know ahead of time that had you known, it would have made that transition a little bit easier. So I think it's a great topic. Um, who participated in the study? Because I know you surveyed lots of veterans. I did. So I started pretty small. I knew that I couldn't save the world with this one dissertation topic. So I looked at all branches of the military um, and I wanted to make sure I had at least five representatives from each branch and at least one female. I didn't want to just have infantry Marines or just military police, army, etc. to try and get a good representative sample. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, so you had um, sent over a list to me of five things to keep in mind in your new civilian job. And like I said, I think that kind of goes back to uh, setting expectations. Obviously, nobody wants to get into a job and feel like they're throwing out all of their must-haves and just settling. So certainly not that by any means. But I want to read through each of the five things that you provided and then see if you can, you know, just give a little bit more input, whether it's from your personal background, your dissertation, um, you know, things that you're going to do when you transition out. Uh, so with all that being said, number one, your veteran service may be appreciated, but it may not be fully understood. Sure. So there's this term I came across called capital. Uh, a lot of people familiar with the military may know like the Arabic term we use, wasta, or clout, credibility, however you want to characterize it. So if you know the difference between an Army Achievement Medal, an Army Commendation Medal, different humanitarian awards, whatever the case is, those might brief well in the military, but you don't really know what that means in the private or civilian sector. And so the first thing that veterans need to understand is a lot of that resume, it's appreciated and it's impressive, but the, uh, they don't look through it through the same lens that someone in the military did. And that kind of goes into other questions, not to get ahead of ourselves, but you really have to work hard on translating your levels of responsibility, accolades, and accomplishments, and what that might mean for 
FedEx, Home Depot, any other organization. Yeah, I think that's so important. And, you know, we see time and time again, a hiring manager looks at a resume and, you know, they, they look at it, they scan it. Uh, what do they say? They look at it for six seconds or whatever the average is. They say a recruiter looks at a resume and, you know, throw it aside. This person's not a good fit. And then if, you know, one of our recruiters or account managers follows up and points out like, hey, did you see this? Did you see this? Well, to them, some of those things just come off as jargon. They don't know what it means. So to your point, just doing your best to explain in very plain terms, uh, what does this mean and how could it benefit their organization? Exactly. Okay, so number two, your level of responsibility may decrease at first. And I think that that's a tough one. What, what I really found is that the issue with veterans translate, uh, transitioning is it's a cultural issue. There's just um, miscommunication and veterans aren't to blame and certainly the uh, civilian organizations aren't to blame. It's just a cultural intersection. So I know after 15 years in the Marine Corps, if somebody tells me that they were a platoon sergeant, I don't need any more context. I say, okay, got it. You've been in between eight to 12 years. You've probably done three deployments. I can assume to a certain level of certainty what your background is and your responsibility. And I know you've led a team of at least 40 people. In the private sector, it, you don't necessarily, you're not guaranteed an opportunity to work and be in charge of 40 direct reports. So you may think on its face, well, now I have less uh, responsibility or I'm not trusted as much. When really it's just to come, there aren't that many platoon sergeant level, I'm using air quotes here, <laughs> equivalences that you can roll right into in the private sector. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing with that is just, um, you know, just because you leave active duty at a certain level, just if you equate it to any other job, taking the military out of it, um, you're switching industries essentially. So say you've worked yourself up to be a senior manager in one particular industry, and then you're going to another different industry. Uh, it's pretty much expected that you're not going to go into a lateral move and take on the exact same position with same responsibilities, because to some extent you do have to learn the ropes. It's going to be different. And that's exactly it. What I like to tell a lot of um, my younger Marines when they're exiting the Marine Corps is I'll say, well, if someone came to you, a straight civilian, and you were a recruiter, and they said, hey, I was car salesman of the year for this entire region in the Pacific Northwest, you'd be impressed, but you wouldn't want to make them an E6 right off the bat. You'd still say, good for you. Sounds like you have some potential. Let's put you in this spot as a private first class and see how you progress. So there needs to be that same understanding of that exchange. Mm -hmm, definitely. Okay, so the next one on your list is the culture of your organization may be different from your military unit. And I think this one's great because I know culture is huge, especially when you talk about people leaving their job within the first year. I mean, a lot of times it's because it's not a good cultural fit. And so my dissertation used a lot of qualitative, meaning interview questions, open-ended questions, instead of just agree disagree type of questioning because I wanted to see what the respondents would say in their own words and they used a lot of words like you're saying Megan um good fit cultural uh brotherhood camaraderie and how they missed that even those who hated the military and couldn't stand the work hours or whatever the case was even those who said they came from bad commands still said what they missed the most was the team they didn't miss being a motor transport wrench turner. They didn't miss necessarily being 
an infantry person in the motor pool. They missed being in the infantry. It was the people. And what I found in doing the research and talking with veterans is that, you know, you hear the term misery loves company. Whether it was the best of times or the worst of times, everyone has each other's backs. Because by nature of the military, you have to. And you live with these people, literally. You spend 24 hours a day, four people cramped in a room, you're going to physical training together, working together, deploying together. Well, when you go to a private organization and it's your first time being in that environment, it might just be a nine to five. Nobody can be expected to have a dying passion for working in the warehouse or at the car dealership or whatever the case is. And so veterans need to understand that cultural difference between it just being a job and you don't have that 24 seven transactional, um, you know, kind of that feedback you get from your peers and your coworkers. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing that I just kind of thought about when you were talking and I'm interested if you've heard this amongst, you know, any of the people that you're friends with that have trans transitioned out just recently is the idea of, you know, a lot of people who graduate college during a recession or something, they'll complain about the time that they graduated, that there are no jobs available, things like that. I'm wondering if this, you know, camaraderie culture aspect has also become more important and has, you know, been more impactful in the past year or so, because a lot of people are being hired and they'll immediately start working remote. And so, you don't even really get the culture camaraderie because you're not physically with someone in an office. So I, I wonder if that's impacting people as well. No, I think that you're spot on. So if at the end of the workday in the military, most people say, hey, we're off work. What do you want to do now? Mm -hmm. And they go watch the game together. They go back to the barracks together. They're whatever the case is, they're being very social. And because of those bonds outside of work, you're more willing to help each other inside of work and continue to have each other's backs. And so in a remote um, position, like you just mentioned, imagine how much further removed you are, not mm -hmm. just for coworkers, but for the buy-in or the passion for whatever your position is. Yeah, that's very true. And it's something that, yeah, like I said, I'm sure has really impacted people's careers and just getting started in the past year. So hopefully, you know, as we continue into this year, hopefully it'll be less of a um, effect as people start to get hopefully back physically in office spaces and things like that or hopefully companies can try to overcome that but you know there's only so much you can do virtually so that i just thought of that when you were uh, talking about that okay so uh number four the culture of boss yeah so what was funny in a lot of these responses is they were very um critical of their boss's leadership styles in these responses that i got and again, this was regardless of Coast Guard, Navy, Army, Air Force, um, because what we're raised in with the military is very invasive leadership. When you sit down, whether it's your first meeting or your hundredth meeting, it's how are things going in your home life? How's your marriage? How's your finances? What kind of car are you driving? What's your APR? Have you gotten your flu shot yet? And it's so unbelievably invasive, but it comes from care and mission readiness and what you do as a wrench turner at the motor pool equates to mission success on the combat, you know, in the battlefields. So there's a reason for it. And also in terms of discipline, we have non-judicial punishment and courts martial and all these other means of disciplining in the, in the military. So if you are immediately transported to the private sector and you have a boss who says, hey, Megan, welcome aboard. Let me know if you have any questions. You think, well, what in the world? Is, 
this isn't a leader. This isn't someone who really seems to care or value me. And they're certainly not getting me about this position. And then on top of that, when you have the coworkers who aren't pulling their own weight, or maybe they're having discipline issues, they're late to work habitually, and you're thinking, well, when are people going to get held accountable? <laughs> they perceive that as lazy leadership, as opposed to, well, they're in the same position that you are. Sometimes it's just a job. Right. And a lot of veterans struggle with wanting that a strict hierarchy, formations, punctuality, merit-based promotions, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, all those things you mentioned, they're great points because it is, it's, veterans are definitely very adaptable and creative, but um, on the flip side, they are all, they do expect those things that you just said. They want that leadership. They want things to be like they were in the military because especially for a lot of veterans that we work with, we're working with them for their first civilian career. So their first time off of active duty, they don't have anything to compare it to other than what they experienced in the military, which is so different. And so I think, you know, having conversations like this and hearing your input, it's not to scare people off to say, hey, you need to totally reset your expectations and you need to know that this is how it is and you just have to deal with it. It's not that at all. It's just trying to help people understand the differences. And I think you're doing a good job of explaining that. Well, it's an interesting um, kind of dichotomy, the way that veterans view things. And I thought of this just as you were talking. Veterans like very clearly defined boundaries and borders. If I step outside of this line or if anyone does, I want to know what the consequences are. I want to know why we're doing this. Very clearly defined borders. But within the borders, we want complete autonomy. Don't tell me how to do my job. Which sounds very contradictory. <laughs> but I'm realizing that um, those things don't really juxtapose very well for a private sector. And it is interesting because those are some of the misconceptions we hear from employers a lot is that veterans are too rigid and they only do what they're told um and so yeah because like the way you explained it makes total sense um but yeah that's definitely the perception that employers can have sometimes is that you know everything needs to be spelled out for a veteran and we try to explain like well no they're creative and they can read between the lines and they're adaptable um, but there is a little bit of both, um, just in terms of not necessarily rigid and only doing what they're told. Those were more negative connotations, but a little bit of wanting more um, guidance and clear boundaries, like you said. Right. Just give us the end state and we can be inventive, but an ambiguous end state, we're just going to sit and say, hey, in case of emergency, break glass. And there is a lot of uh, ambiguous end state in corporate America, I will say. I, I feel like I deal with it on a daily basis. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I can totally see how that would be frustrating if you're someone who came from more of a clear cut regimented background. And even like the, you know, hierarchies, you said, like, you know, so when someone's promoted, someone becomes in 03 and 04, you know how much you're going to get paid. Um, you know, generally when to expect that, the timeline. And that is a big difference with corporate America, because unless you're in a company that um, has something like that in place, which I personally have never worked for a company like that, it's usually just, you know, every couple of years, um, if you're performing really well, it's really not set in stone or very clear cut at all. Right. It's very easy to quantify success in the military. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So number five on your list, the fulfillment may not be the same. And that's really just taking one through four, putting them in a blender and putting it on high speed. Um, 
So without having the invasive leadership or, and not to be too sensational here, or working with coworkers who would literally die for you in training for these quantifiable successes and measurements and all these kind of bonds you have, it's very hard at the end of the day to find that kind of fulfillment. I've seen Marines be fulfilled by counting knee pads in a warehouse, and I've seen airmen be very fulfilled with these high-level strategic, the president knows where you are missions. The entire spectrum, the military is very good at getting by and having a fulfilled job, whether it's your no kidding occupational specialty or the people you work with or the boss you serve for or whatever the case is. There's always something there. Um, and so if you don't have all those ingredients to make the fulfillment soup, I think that's why a lot of veterans say, well, th this is not what I expected. And my other assumption is there are so many wonderful programs out there for transitioning veterans. We also know that we have options. Well, I'll just go back to school and use the GI Bill. Or there are so many veteran hiring initiatives. Or my buddy back home said I could always get a job doing such and such. We know that we have options, which is a good thing. And so without finding that cultural fit and having that fulfillment, I think that's why we continue to be a risk for high turnover, as you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, with the fulfillment piece, it's like, you know, you mentioned Marines feeling fulfilled by counting knee pads. I think that part of that is probably just because they know what the bigger sense of the mission is. They know who they work for. They work for the Marine Corps. They have the sense of camaraderie with their fellow, um, you know, people that they serve with. So I think it's a little bit different and they, you innately have this sense of fulfillment because I mean, where else do you work that you tell someone that, you know, you work for insert whatever company and people are like immediately impressed and thanking you. And, you know, I mean, that just right. doesn't happen. So <laughs> there's that too. I mean, in terms of the fulfillment though, do you know if a lot of people that you talk to or, um, you know, talk to during your dissertation or even any of your friends, do they then generally try to seek that fulfillment outside of work in terms of some sort of like volunteering or groups or anything like networking things like that it's usually looking for another job more mm -hmm. than supplementing it unless and this will probably come to no surprise to you unless the pay is right right if the pay is above a certain threshold veterans will just suffer through it but if they say hey i can find something commensurate at another location I met people who, and again, I made sure that the respondents were only within one year of leaving active duty. Some were on their third or fourth job. Oh, gosh. And some were even still seeking employment other places. They just, it, it's, a, it's an itch that they couldn't find another way to scratch. Yeah, that is interesting. I, I think I may have missed that part about the one year after leaving. I mean, that's incredible, especially because again, like you said at the beginning, we know that turnover rates are higher among veterans than civilians when they enter their first job, but maybe I guess I'm even surprised by that. So maybe I, it just a little bit, we're all learning something today. Right. Well, I've appreciated you sharing that. I think your dissertation sounds really great. I know you're going to contribute to a blog post for Orion too. So I really appreciate you reaching out, but um, kind of to continue this conversation, just from your own perspective, having talked to people who have served in the military, um, you know, just your perspective, what has been the most challenging aspect of the transition from military to civilian? 
it could be related to careers or anything else. Sure. I mean, I can tell you that even personally, because I'm looking at transitioning to summer, I'm only about five months out now, and I'll look at an award that I've gotten or a billet or position that I've held, and I've thought, wow, how in the world am I going to qualify this into civilian terms so they understand, like, this is a pretty successful position or this award meant, you know, this or that to it. So I'm now on the other side of the table realizing it is tough. And I think that just having an awareness is kind of, you know, the G.I. Joe knowing is half the battle. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why I wanted to, you know, do this blog. Um, I'm doing one both from the civilian and from the hiring manager's perspective, trying to do both sides of it. And I want to do this podcast. But just having that awareness to start early and veterans should really just be selfish a little bit. Take the time to decide, well, what is going to fill my bucket? What is an industry that I'm at least a little bit interested in? Even if I need to take a bit of a pay cut or it's going to be a little while before I make those promotions, I can find some fulfillment in it. Mm -hmm. Because we're so hireable, we can very easily end up in the wrong relationship, which is really what an occupation is. Yeah, definitely. We always compare like what we do here at Orion to like a dating service. So I agree. Sure. It's, it's very similar to that. Um, you know, and we talked about turnover from the employer's perspective. It can be very expensive. They have to replace you with somebody else. But it's also very expensive from the perspective of the person who is leaving and looking for another job. I mean, in that case, if you're quitting, you do sort of have the upper hand versus being fired. So obviously, it's always better to quit than be fired. But you have to start over somewhere that brings on its new stressors maybe the pay is not exactly the same maybe you have to move um if you have multiple things that you're juggling like your family life things like that i mean there's a lot to consider it's really just like you said being selfish and figuring out what's going to make you happy because the best long-term fit for you is going to be the best long-term fit for the company and being selfish and figuring that out on the front end is only going to benefit both of you Exactly. And one thing I've noticed looking at Orion is you have locations all over the country. Mm -hmm. And so some of these, whether from the enlisted or the officer ranks, um, you might take a position where you're paying money out of pocket. The military, no one's reimbursing you. And you're still moving to a new location, moving your children, moving your spouse. It's a huge commitment. So really taking the time to start early and often, um, I, I'm hoping would, would be helpful to people. Mm -hmm. And I will say that uh, this is a question that I frequently ask people, and I think starting early has to be the number one answer that I hear from any veteran who has transitioned out. So I think you're spot on with that. So you mentioned you're transitioning in the summer. So uh, if you want, I, you probably don't want to go into a ton of detail with us because you don't really know what the future holds. None of us do. Right. But, What's next for you? Are you looking for a specific type of job? Or are you still trying to figure that out? Still figuring it out a bit. Um, the thing that the military spoils you in is you do a completely different job every two to three years. I've done everything from a pretty nice uh, university position where I'm at now to Nine Palms to all kinds of deployments in between. And it's really just the people that have kept me around for 15 years. So if I could find a position where I can just manage teams of people and solve complex issues, um, I think that I would be happy. There's no industry that really excites me. It's more just problem solving and working with people. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I can tell just from, you know, reading the stuff that you sent over, your dissertation, it's all very impressive. And you definitely come off as a problem solver to me. 
No, oh, I hope so. I appreciate that. Yeah. So Cody, any other advice that you'd like to leave with our listeners who may be transitioning soon? Maybe they've already transitioned. Just anything general that you think is like the biggest piece of advice that you would like to share? The biggest piece of advice would be if you're still on active duty, the invasive leaders that I talked about, uh, make your leaders be invasive. Don't just do a check in the box and say, I can't wait to get out of the military, do your transition seminar, and then leave. Start talking to those leaders, and leaders need to be invasive. What is your plan? That's not a good enough plan. Use it with the same level of scrutiny and strategy as you would something in the military. Have a plan of action and milestones. Start networking. Start Update your LinkedIn profile. Talk to mentors. Start getting as plugged in as you can. I think that's great advice. Do you have any specific like resources that you're using for your transition plan in terms of like books, websites, anything like that? Uh, I'm reading a lot of books by Patrick Lencioni right now. And it's uh, he takes these high level business concepts and distills them down to kind of these fables or short stories. And it's amazing at how much of that lights the light bulb for me. And I say, oh, that works with what we do in the military. Um, but it gives me what the civilian perspective of leadership is. So start reading business books, regardless of your industry, even if you're not looking to get into, you know, the C-suites or something. Find out what successful businesses are, whether they're nonprofits or for-profits, because that'll start jogging uh, your mind for how to sell and advertise your transferable skills. So start speaking the language. Yeah. Well, Cody, that's so great. Thank you again for reaching out. We're really excited to have you as a contributor to the podcast and the blog. And you have some really valuable information. I'm just so glad that you shared it with us. And best of luck in your transition. Oh, this is a lot of fun, Megan. I appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks so much. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud so that you never miss an episode. We'd love to hear from you. So if you have any feedback, please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. Our goal is to help all military job seekers through their transition and beyond. So make sure you share our show with your friends. See you next time.